challenge to keeping God first. The challenge to keeping God first. Let's stand up together. Am I not on, fellas? We just having all kinds of problems, Baker, ain't we? Okay. No, we ain't got nothing right. Bless God. All right, now. Now, we all? Okay. Turn, if you would, to Genesis, Exodus chapter 20, and verse number 1. Exodus chapter 20. Honestly, believe that uh, sometimes, sometimes I believe the devil does his dead level best to get a focus off of what the truth is, and they'll just do everything possible. Exodus chapter twenty, verse number one. And God spake all these words, saying, "Let's read this second verse together. I am the Lord thy God." which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That's read verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which I brought these out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And thou shalt have no other God's notice, little G, before me. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Brother George, how about you praying? Amen. You'll be seated. The help of God, Monday morning I sat down and I was thinking about this and been pondering this series for a while. And I sat down and wrote this message. And uh, since Monday, I couldn't, it's unbelievable at the times over and over, either through calls or talking to people, I realized very quickly the need of the series because people's overwhelmed about a lot of different things. Perhaps you came tonight overwhelmed over something. Perhaps you found yourself this week being just, I mean, to the breaking point, being overwhelmed. We all find ourselves there at times. And I suppose we'll find ourselves there again. Strange as it may sound, one of the greatest challenges for many is to give God His rightful place in our lives. I'm convinced if He has the rightful place in our life, I'm not going to say naive to say we would never be overwhelmed again, but I do believe we'd be overwhelmed a whole lot less. 
In the Ten Commandments here, the Bible, the Bible tells us about the first four commandments relate to the worship of the Lord and how to give Him His rightful place. The Colossian writer said to the church in Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church, which is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, that in all things, that in all things, that in all things, I didn't know we got, did you get it? That in all all things. Say amen if you got it. Amen. Good. That he might have the preeminence. First place. Top dog. Top of the list. Absolutely first. That in all things. I'm amazed how quickly. People today shout that out. I'm quickly, I'm amazed how quickly we forfeit that. How quickly that is easily find, the Lord can easily find second place or third place or no place. We find in the Word of God that God becomes along and He begins to tell us. That in all things he might have preeminence. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. My. Truly, these words tell us the whole duty of man. That God is so important. That God is so right. And that God is, that, that we need Him so much that we cannot exist without Him. I, I, I tell you, I, I say, I'm, I might put just another message, I don't think I'm putting this one. But the ultimate mark of pride, the ultimate mark is for man to think he can live without God and be independent on God. Today we're finding the reason secular humanists and ACLU fight the Ten Commandments because they're tied to the Bible. And the God we worship and the Bible shapes the values that you hold. Same crowd wants to remove under God from the Pledge of Allegiance because they do not want God to reflect in our values that we live. They've tried desperately to throw God out of every arena possible. They've thrown Him out of our schools. They decided that we won't, we're not going to pray no more. And you, and you can mark it. Go back and check your history. Since that time, the most horrendous acts of murder with children has happened in our schools. Yet they think we ought to just quit praying. 
They've decided the Ten Commandments don't need to be posted on the courthouse and in the judicial system. And yet, the judicial system today is a joke. It's an absolute joke. I'm amazed how, how, how it is. I, I was in court a, a few years ago with a, with a dear lady and a, trying to get custody of her children. And I, I was amazed at the prejudice of the judge. The judge didn't like her lawyer, but she liked this lawyer. And I thought to myself, we weren't enough 10 minutes, and I thought to myself, oh my, I hope you're ready to lose because you've already lost it because that judge was very prejudiced. It's amazing. It's amazing. Today we see in our world some uncertain philosophies that fight against God's rightful place in our lives. Secularism and an indifference or an exclusion from religion and religious considerations. Pluralism, that means the existence and availability of a number of gods. You have your God, I have my God. Then humanism, boy this I believe today. Of all these things, the one thing that is, that is probably taken over quicker than anything else is humanism. Man is his own God and conscience. Adam and Eve's first challenge in the garden was with God. Isn't that amazing? Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The first, the first time, the first issue, the first object of discussion was God in the garden. And of course, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you should not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said to the woman, ye shall not surely die. Don't be too critical of Eve. Don't be too critical. Bible says, forsaken not this the assembling of ourselves together, and yet some didn't believe that to be here tonight. So don't be critical of Eve when she said, when the devil said, God should not surely die and place doubt. For the Lord doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. You shall be as God, little g gods, knowing good and evil. You'll get to be your own God. So what a challenge. I, I'm not sure that of all this series of messages I'll bring, this may be the most important, is the challenge to putting God first. Is God really first in our lives? I honestly believe if God got first 
many times in our jobs, the same level with our jobs, we turn the world upside down. I believe we had the same, same level as our possessions, our toys. We turn the world upside down. I believe we had the first place in many times as our pleasures. We turn the world upside down for the glory. Because really it comes down to the challenge. And it's a challenge. And it's a challenge for all of us of putting God first. So let's take a look at that. First of all, we see the identification of God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. 3,500 years ago, God brought the people out of Egypt. He brought them to a mountain. And the first thing that he done, he reintroduced himself to them. They had been in a culture that worshipped many gods. The ancient Egypt, Egyptians worshipped the frog god and the sun god. The Babylonians worshipped the god called Murdoch. Then the Canaanites worshipped a god called Moloch. And Moloch was an interesting god. It was the picture of a of part animal and part human statue and him sitting. And to Moloch they would build a raging fire. And because of the brass that it was made from, it would turn a bright red. And at the moment it turned a bright red women would pitch their healthy, 100% healthy babies and sacrifice their babies in worship to Moloch and believe they'd done God a great favor. They would never worship, they would never sacrifice if a baby had a mole or it it didn't look right or, or was sickly or anything like that. Always the healthy children. So we find that God, as He brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, the first thing He had to do, He had to reintroduce Himself to who what He was. I believe as much as anything, the church of the living God needs to be reintroduced to who He is. Notice first He said, the name, His name. Moses... I love him. He said, now, God, if I go down there, they're going to ask me, who sent me? What's your name? He said, tell them that I am that I am. And he said, and he said thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Now, that's an interesting statement. That's an interesting name. He said, go tell them that I am, that I am. I love it. What better name for God? I am. He, I am. Whatever you want to put with it, whatever you think you need, whatever the object is in your life, he said, I am God. He, he's literally, his name, he reintroduced him 
saying, I am. And I may I ask you tonight. May I ask you tonight. The Bible says in Psalms 23, 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. Someone said, God is who he is. He's not what's whoever you want him to be. God is who he is. The nature of God is his self-existence. Well, I love this. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Speaking of the fact he's self-existent. Tells us he's always been and always will be. It tells us he never has to be anything. He already is. That means he never makes a mistake, nor does he ever correct himself. He's always been. You can't add nothing to him. You can't take nothing away. You can, he, he, he never does wrong because it's who he is. I, I want you, I want to try to lift up tonight in your heart the mentality I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. God promised to help me, but He can't. The, the problem is, you're God. I need to introduce you to my God. I need to reintroduce you to my God. And my God is self-existent. He's all-powerful. Revelation 19.6 And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and the voice of many waters as the voice of a mighty thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth all powerful. Ask you something. Why do we doubt God? Why do we Always question God. And you say, well, preacher, I I don't think we do. I I beg your pardon, I believe we do. And we do it in every area of our life. How many of you, now just be honest, that uh, we need to loosen up a little bit. How many of you, be honest, I lift your hand, I want to, when you've got a problem, you go to figuring you got to worry in. you got to try to finagle around. Try to work it out. How many of you do that thing? And isn't it amazing? When you're plumb, absolutely worn out with it, well, I guess we ought to play about this thing. But we ought to go to, we ought to, go to God. We ought to play. Have you ever thought about as a child of God, you can do that first? And save all the gray hair, save all the wrinkles, save all, save all the, uh, tums, save all the heart, save all the aggravation, save all the wakeless night. I want you to know God is all powerful. When we need to be introduced, identification. Can I ask you a question right now? Tell me, who is your God?
Well, preacher, I've, I've heard this, and he makes my little head want to spin. Well, preacher, you got to work now. you got to work. Pay his bills. you got to work. got bills. You have to do two things in life. You've got to die, and you've got to face God. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. Someone said, we've got to pay your taxes. No, you don't. No, you don't. I heard that all my, you got, you got died, you, got, you don't have to pay your taxes. They'll take you to jail, but you don't have to pay them. Amen. You don't have to pay them. Truth is, you've got to die, and you've got to face God. That's all, and I've heard that all my, oh, we, 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 it's a tendency to, to we, and I know we ought to work. The Bible, the first thing God did were, for Adam was to give him a job. Amen. And, I don't know how much he got paid, but boy, he loved it. And first, first thing God did, men ought to work. I, I believe that. Men should work. The Bible says a man that won't work is not, it's worse than an infidel or a lost man. So I understand that what I'm trying to say is God's people for heaven's sake. When are we going to quit trusting that and trust God to take care of what we need? Trusting God. And so I ask you again, who is your God? Who is your God? Oh, and how you identify Him. How you identify Him. And then a second crowd, oh, I'm telling you, honestly, and, and you may think it can't happen, it did. In the 30s, stock market went belly up. And money become worthless. And believe it or not, before morning time, you could wake up and a newscast and say the dollar bill has collapsed and everybody's money is worthless. Now I guarantee you, some of you would have a heart attack and be in a hospital. Some of you, it would, you would go, bless God, I'm whitehead, you'd be whitehead by Sunday. You'd be in a mess. You would worry you to death. You, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, I want to tell you what we're going to do. Trust God. You remember when the gas got so high? How many remember that? It got close to $4 a gallon. And, uh, boy, I said that one Wednesday night, I I was preaching away, and I said, you got to, people trust, I had people say, well, I'll tell you what's true, tell you what's true, preacher, God, get you high, we'll be able to come. I thought, huh? What? If you want to go fishing, you go. I care how much, if you want to go hunting, you go. If you want to go to the mall, you go. I don't care how I guess God, I don't care how I guess God, when I wanted to go somewhere, I went. Now I went a little slower, but so when you so much, not that I drive fast. That's a rumor. That's a rumor. And, uh, so, but uh, I drive slow. And boy, next week, I got a letter. And, uh, boy, it's a nasty letter. 
And uh, I thought about it a long time. I, I kept it for a while and stood over it and got mad every time I read it. So I finally just tore it up and threw it away. Got tired of being mad over it. Said, I can't believe you don't love them people to tell them to trust God when they, when they struggle to make it with their faith in God's money. I, huh? No, I love you enough to tell you. I love you enough to tell you. It is a great life trusting God. How do you identify your God? How do you identify your God? How you identify Him determines what you believe about Him. Egyptian, one thing about the man Sunday night, don't miss this. That man Sunday night, Tom Wallace, the Islam religion, they do believe in Allah enough. Now you, you can kid yourself, they would cut every one of our heads off and never think twice about it, believing they've done Allah a favor and worshipped Him. They're a wicked bunch. They're killing Christians all over the world. It, you'd blow your mind. I read his story one time, and they was having an underground church, and uh, just a couple candles burning, and they was meeting. And about that time, soldiers stormed through the back door with the guns, and, and they said, "said going to give you an opportunity. Deny your Christianity, and you leave." Well, about half of them left. Okay, they cocked all the guns, gun ready. Now I'm going to give you another chance. Deny Christianity and you can leave. By another fourth of them left. Okay, why about you? And they said, just shoot. We're not going to deny our God. They said, good. They put their guns down, took their mask off, opened their coats and got their Bibles out. Now we can worship. Now we can worship. I wonder, I wonder tonight, how many of you realize this world is getting more dangerous by the day? More crazy by the day? And I'm going to ask you a question. What are you trusting in? And how you identify your God. I'm going to tell you something. How real this thing come to me. It's just testimony. About a year ago, I met with a man. 12 o'clock on a Tuesday night. And looking back now at all that's transpired, I've just come to the conclusion that God just protected me that night. Now it's probably a moment away from you having another pastor. Don't shout, don't praise God yet. You was just a moment away from having a new pastor. And how real God made that, and I just bowed my head. I said, that's my God. That's my God. 
That's my God. How you identify our God. Number two, the intervention of God. Bible says in that, in verse 2, Exodus 20, verse 2, I am the Lord thy God, which have, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. There was an intervention of deliverance. God saw the needs of the people. Wake up, look this way. Do you believe that God can slip out in beside you and He knows every need that's in your heart tonight? Wow. Do you? Do, not me, no, 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 really. Really. Do you? No, no re- really. Do, do you believe there's a God that knows every need in your life? I want to ask you a question. What need is there that you think God can't help you with? Well, I tell you what, he, he, he can do this, and he can do this, and he can do this, and he can do this. But I, I just tell you, I, I have to tell you my stories because I don't know yours. But if you'll tell me about them, I'll tell them. I'll use them. A few years ago, maybe four or five years ago, I had a literal physical impossibility. There was no way. I... I tell you what, I had figured it from corner to corner. There was, it was an impossibility. I said, God, I have a human impossibility. And I placed it in your hands. And I stand amazed. He intervened and delivered. We built this building in 2003. And I thought about it today. 2003, we built a building in about the first of 2004. I walked right down here to the corner. And I said, God, we need two things. And both of them will take a miracle. It's absolutely, both of them will take a miracle. I said, Lord, we need a fellowship hall. And I said, Lord, we need that little house. Now, Matthew wasn't living there. Nobody, that the people was living there. And that was it. I said, Lord, we need that little house and that land, and we need a fellowship hall. And both of them will take a miracle to do. Guess what? I walked back to the same corner. I said, wow, you really done good over there. Wow, it looks like you're doing good over there. What God intervention of our God. We have to come to the place. God saw the needs of the people in Egypt. He saw the taskmaster. He saw them being beat. He saw the tears. He saw the weariness. He saw all. And then God met the needs of the people. I've heard the murmuring of the children of Israel speak of them saying, At evening you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. 
So we realized the children of Israel were trapped in life of poverty and abuse and heartache. God intervened and delivered. Notice it's intervention of grace. They didn't deserve it, and neither do we. God redeemed them in His grace. And then God, last of all, He gives an invitation of our God. There's an identification. Who, who is your God? Who is He? It's amazing. I listen as people talk. And people tend... I visited a man over in, over in just a few streets over. And I'm amazed. He was on oxygen and, and one foot in the grave and the other heading that way. And I, I talked to him, tried to witness to him. Very hard man. And I bet we hadn't been there. He said, let me tell you about my car. No, he had a had a very nice car and Corvette engine and all that good stuff. And, and I thought, hmm, oh, he's just sharing with me his God. Identifying his God. The intervention of our God. Has God ever intervened for you? I'm not talking about what somebody else has done for you. I'm talking about has God intervened for you? Then last of all, an invitation of our God. Thou shalt have no other little g gods before me. And he says, here's reason. There ought to be a loyal adoration. I am the, Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Do you hear what he said? I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Here's what he's saying. God said, I, I expect that oration of my people. He said, it ought to be natural for them to say, thank you. It ought to be natural for them to say, to be grateful. When's the last time? I double dog, I triple dog dare you. I triple dog dare you to do this. Go home and walk around your house and just see what's good about it and thank God for it. How many's got food in the cabinets? Best God out in the cabinet the other morning. Can fell out. Hit you, you, you know a can hitting the top of your foot hurts like a devil. <laughs> it hurts like a devil. We got food in every cabinet. When, when, when's the last time? When's the last time you stopped and said, God, I sure love you. And I thank you for what you've done. How many thumbs the churches tonight? And ladies, don't ask me. 
I tell you what, there's days I love you dearly, but you're going to quit this line. One closet full of clothes, another closet full of clothes. I ain't got nothing to wear. That's one. Hey, so. When's the last time? A loyal, a loyal adoration. A loyal. Oh, back, it's amazing. Me and Arlene used to, I'm, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay, I'm going to share this with you. I can get out of it with her. I had a stroke. My, my mind ain't working good. <laughs> we had a closet we shared. You know, I had one side, she had on the other side. It wasn't long ago, my side was totally moved out. My side, my back, I don't have nothing in the closet. And then, I, it's amazing. A loyal adoration. When? There ought to be a loyalty to God. When have you life said, Boy, I tell you, I know I gotta work on, on living, but I tell you right now, I'm gonna be in the house of God. God's gonna get first. I ain't, I, God's gonna get first. Second, a loving affection. God just wants us to love Him. After all, we're the bride of Christ. And you got to cultivate in any marriage. You gotta cultivate that love. No matter, no matter how long you've been married, you got to cultivate that love. And God says, y'all to cultivate that love. Some people like this, this fella. While the football fans were thrilled to be at a Super Bowl, he was disappointed with the location of his seat. Peering across the stadium through his binoculars, he, he spied an empty seat on the 50 yard line and made his way there. He asked the man in the next seat over me. I said, you sure? The man replied, this was my wife's seat. She's a huge football fan. And we came together to the games together all the time until she passed away. I'm sorry for your loss, but I'm curious. Why didn't you give the extra tickets to a friend or relative? Replied the widow, they're all at the funeral. <laughs> Amen. It's bad. The first commandment. The first commandment looks easy from a distance. But when it gets down where rubber meets the road, it's a challenge. John Piker noted that God's a trinity, suggested some other trinities may have taken his place. Sex, shackles, and stomach, pleasure, possessions, position, football, firm, and the family. So we must all turn from all others. We must trust Him only. Bible says, The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people. But you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep His oath, which is sworn unto your fathers, that the Lord brought you out of thy mighty hand, redeemed you out of the house of the bondman from the hand of Pharaoh the, the Egypt. First John 4.10 Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation 
for our sins. Trusting only in Him is the foundation of all spiritual freedom. It's no accident that free countries around the world have honored the Ten Commandments in their heritage. So I fear that we as a nation are in trouble because of the fact that we have we we not messed up the rest of them. We started with the first one. A challenge. And it's a challenge. Now, I'm going to say this. Huh? I'm done. I, I'm not so naive as to, to not... I don't try to belittle a job and an occupation. If the stress level was there 10 years ago, it's there today. If the demand was there 10 years ago, the demand is there now. If, if the, the pressure to produce and the pressure to get the pre- just the pressure of everybody involved in it was here, well, it's here now. Now, I understand that. Now, I don't belittle that, but here's the challenge. That's the reason why we need to put God first more now than we ever have. When my heart is overwhelmed, Lead me to a rock that's higher than I. So I'll stand to her feet. Every head bowed, never eye closed.